Every time I've tried to, to be like someone else, I've failed terribly. Whenever I've tried to be myself, I've been the best in the world at it. Surprise, surprise. I think this is a forgotten point, is that the, the most important relationship that you have in life is the one you have with yourself. If you have something you want to get after, get after it. You don't need permission. What's up, everyone? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Artists of Data Science podcast. My goal with this podcast is to share the stories and journeys of the thought leaders in data science, the artists who are creating value for our field through the content they're creating, the work they're doing, and the positive impact they're having within their organizations, industries, society, and the art of data science as a whole. I can't even begin to express how excited I am that you're joining me today. My name is Harpreet Sohota, and I'll be your host as we talk to some of the most amazing people in data science. Today's episode is brought to you by Data Science Dream Job. If you're wondering what it takes to break into the field of data science, check out dsdj.co forward slash artists with an S for an invitation to a free webinar where we'll give you tips on how to land your first job in data science. I've also got a free open mastermind Slack community called the Artists of Data Science Loft that I encourage everyone listening to join. I'll make myself available to you for questions on all things data science and keep you posted on the bi-weekly open office hours that I'll be hosting for our community. Check that out at artofdatascienceloft.slack.com. Community is super important and I'm hoping you guys will join the community where we can keep each other motivated, keep each other in the loop on what's going on with our own journeys so that we can learn, grow, and get better together. Let's ride this beat out into another awesome episode and don't forget to subscribe, follow, like, love, rate, and review the show. Our guest today is a machine learning engineer who plays at the intersection of health, technology, and artificial intelligence. His vision to merge a love for health and technology has led to the development of innovative ways to leverage the power of artificial intelligence to help people move more and eat better. He describes himself as a heavily skewed optimist and is well known in our community as someone who is curious about everything and truly lives his core philosophy of always putting people first and technology second. If you're one of his 24,000 subscribers or 1.1 million viewers, then you may recognize him for YouTube, where he creates videos to help people learn better and live healthier. Or if you're active on Medium, where he has nearly 10,000 followers and over 6 million views, you may recognize him for his musings on the crossroads of technology, health, science, philosophy, and life. True to his ikigai of learning to create and creating to learn, he's crafted one of the most successful courses for machine learning on Udemy, Complete Machine Learning and Data Science, Zero to Mastery, which has a 4.6 star rating with nearly nearly 14,000 students enrolled in over 120 countries. So please help me in welcoming our guest today, the ever prolific Mr. Daniel Burke. Daniel, thank you so much, man, wow. for taking time out of your schedule. Man, it's, yeah. it's an absolute pleasure. That far out, I feel like a rock star. That was, <laughs> that was, a, that was an intro and a half, dude. Thank yeah. you so much. That's, that's so kind. I really, I really appreciate it. Like a, a lot of those things I didn't even know, to be honest, like the, the, <laughs> 
the views and whatnot. Um, but mate, you're too kind. You're too kind. I, I kind of, I see myself as a dude in the room who just likes to do things. <laughs> That's oh, man, really like- cool to hear that. You are pretty much a rock star in our community. You've done so much for the data community that it was hard for me to figure out what to leave in and what to leave out from that introduction. Uh, so, so talk to oh, me, wow. talk to me a bit about how you initially got interested in artificial intelligence and data science, and walk me down the path that led to the discovery of your ikigai. Oh, man, my ikigai. So, uh. I was learning Japanese for a while, so that's where that word comes from. Um, I, I think they have Japanese and, and German as well. They have some beautiful, well, like, for example, a German word that's probably uh, pretty convenient right now is zeitgeist, which is just like the general feeling of everything because at the moment while we're recording this, the, there is a pandemic going on. So the zeitgeist is, it feels like the whole world is banding together to, to work together towards a, a single problem, which I've never felt that energy before. But ikigai is uh, a Japanese word. It's loosely translated in English. A lot of Japanese words, if you translate them to English, my Japanese teacher used to say, no, loses meaning. Loses meaning in, in English. But it's uh, it's reason for being. So it's like, just just what do you do? Why, why do you exist? And it's my ikigai is learning to create and creating to learn. And so it's, uh, it's kind of like just a circle. One fulfills the other. They both couldn't exist without each other. But that was the, the second half of the question, so I'll address the first part first. Uh, how did I get interested in artificial intelligence? I suppose if you're a nerd like me and you go on the internet at any point in time and you try to learn anything about technology, you're going to stumble across artificial intelligence at some point. I remember... I always remember being distinctly like a single digit age. You know how everyone has these like cool stories of when they were, when they were a child, you don't know if they're made up or not. This one might be made up. I'm not sure, but it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty deep in my memory. I remember my mom telling me a story when I was like maybe six or seven in the car. And I think it was, I've subsequently done some research and found out the movie actually does exist. It's I haven't seen it, but I probably should. She told me about this movie called Robotic Man and Robotic Woman or something like that. And what happened was a man got injured at some point or something like that. And they replaced all of his injured body parts with robotic limbs and something to do with his brain. And I just remember being like six or something like that, playing with Legos, building robots and just hearing this story and going far out. That That is amazing. And so did nothing about it for like the next 15 or 16 years until I started to learn to code online. Long story short, I wanted to, to learn to code. Uh, I was working at the Apple store. I was servicing and selling technology. I didn't really, I was a genius, right? The, the genius behind the behind the genius but I didn't really uh like doing the repairs like on the computers but I did like talking to people and I so I would often say I was like to to my colleagues I'm like hey do you want to do you want to take my repair shift which was down underground in like a dungeon and I'll deal with the customers coming in which was sort of uh, people thought I was joking at the time because they were like are you sure like because because repair shifts were held as the holy grail because you could sit there and fix computers while watching YouTube and not have to talk anyone but I was the opposite I was like I want to talk to people and then I got to a point where I'm like you know what I'm seeing people come in with all these they're building 
doing all these amazing things. They're using this technology for different things. Like a lot of people would use their iPhone just to browse uh, Facebook and Instagram. But I was talking to creatives, everyone, people from all walks of life. And I'm like, you know what? I want to start to use these things that I'm servicing and selling to, to build things, to build technology on it rather than rather than just selling and servicing them. And so me and my friends we would that we worked together at the Apple store because there was like 120 of us, 20-somethings, really good fun time. And we would go to gym together, but we all went to separate gyms. And so we had a problem. We were like, we would try to work out with each other, but the gyms is like, oh, you're not a member here. You're not a member here. So you need to sign this form and just a whole a bunch of crap before you could even enter the door. And so we were like, well, let's build a service called Any Gym, which was like the Airbnb of gyms. So basically, if I wanted to go work out at Gym X, but my friend was a member of Gym Y and we wanted to train together, we could just go, oh, yeah, any gym, sweet, sign up, get a pass, boom, walk in the door, scan it, whatever, we're on. And so just just simplifying that, right? That was just out of our own problem. We're like, yes, we can just link up every gym in the whole world and then you could have one membership and then go everywhere. And so we started building that. And uh, this is, I had no previous, like any coding experience. I'd done like six or something exercises, maybe four years prior to this in terms of building stuff online, but then gave up hope really quickly. Um, And so I was building this, not just with WordPress and and different plugins. Long story short, that failed after a few months because we just lost interest. Uh, But I left my job at Apple in February, 2017, because it just got to the point where I was like, I was loving it there, but I was like building this thing on the side. I'm like, no, I want to just, I was like, I want to build it full time. I've got some savings. I'm going to just chill out and, and work on this and try to learn to code. Anyway, a couple of months after I left my job at Apple, we gave up on it because we were just really, if we're honest, we were in it for the wrong thing. Like we just wanted to, we saw the great success stories of these startups becoming billionaires and we were, we were lured in by that, right? It's like, oh yeah, give me that big carrot of money. And so I was like, that motivation didn't hang around very long, you know? I don't know, somehow... I got annoyed at like trying to write all these different rules for like if someone came on and this happened and that happened and whatever. And because I had no programming experience, I'm like, far out, there's a lot of things to think about here. What scenario happens here? And then I actually don't know how I stumbled across it, but I think it was, I was, I was going to, to Udacity to, to like, uh, one of their courses, I like stumbled across, like, how do I learn web development? Came across Udacity. All of a sudden, their like big promo at the time was um, uh, a deep learning nano degree with Siraj Raval. Like, he was the, the front guy. Like, and I just watched it. I'm like, far out. This dude reminds me of me. Like, he's like a bit of a lunatic and talking about technology. I'm like, okay, okay, what's this? I had no idea what deep learning was at this point, but I was like, I saw like the, the infographic of what it could do. And it's like, okay, you have your, your data here. You pass it through some sort of computer program. Again, this is me not knowing anything about it. And so this is all new to me. I'm like, yes, colors, circles connected with dots, which was subsequently a neural network. And then it came out and it's like, uh, this is a photo of a dog or a cat or whatever. Like, you know, the simple like demo that you always see the first time. I'm like, holy, like, you're telling me that all you do is you just go, here's the stuff I want you to learn computer and put it through in some way. And then it comes out and the computer learns it for you. And so here's me who's like trying to code all this logic for, for our web application and just being like, I've got no idea here, but I could just, instead I could just use these deep learning techniques and have the computer learn for me. And so that, 
fascinated the hell out of me. And so I'm like, you know what, what's the prerequisites for this thing? I was, I had no job at the time. So I'm like, I got plenty of time to learn. Um, I was living off savings. And um, at the time it was a pretty big investment. Like I think I had maybe $7,000 in savings. So my living expenses are pretty low. Um, I like to keep it that way. So that, that was enough for like six months of just living how I was. And so this nano degree was pretty expensive. It was like a thousand Australian. Again, I'm not sure of exact figures, but a, a significant amount. And then I was like, I looked at the prerequisites. It's like Python code. I'd never written Python before. And, but the, the, the sign up date was in two weeks. And so I'm like, you know what? What the hell? I'm going to just try it out. Um, this is exciting me. I've never really signed up to one of these things for myself before. I'd gone to university for five years and done uh, a nutrition degree, failed two years of, of medicine, whatever. But I kind of learned how to learn on my own. So I'm like, you know what? What the hell? Boom. In. So it was like started in two weeks. So I went on to Treehouse to learn Python for two weeks. I'm in the Slack channel for, for Udacity's Digital Learning Now degree, seeing all these people like, hey, I'm a software engineer from Google. I'm just like, what? This, um, I don't know what I'm doing here. But anyway, signed up. Went through that, got started, got fascinated with it, caught the, the artificial intelligence bug, as you will, handed in all my assignments a few days late because I was, uh, it took me way too long to do them because I just kind of had to learn everything as I went, as anyone has to do when they start a new course, that is. And so that was the long-winded tale of um, how I got into it. And then I just kept wow. going. I figured out once I finished the deep learning course, I figured out I need to learn more things, put them all together in a, my own master's degree master's degree and then uh kept going <laughs> dude that's that is freaking awesome man like the way you just <laughs> transformed yourself from from apple genius to like machine learning genius like that's freaking awesome man so you <laughs> What's up, artists? Check out our free open mastermind Slack channel, the Artists of Data Science Loft at artofdatasciencelofft.slack.com. I'll keep you posted on the bi-weekly open office hours that I'll be hosting, and it's a great environment and community for all of us to talk all things data science. Look forward to seeing you there. such a such a transformation kind of in your own career and your own path over the last couple of years uh, where do you see the field of data science and AI kind of heading in the next two to five years oh that is a good one um, I don't like to make predictions because it just if you look at my track record I think human beings just in general are terrible at making predictions I think it's just becoming more and more of a tool so my bias is towards using machine learning as a tool. Like I would, so I spent the last couple of years learning like just pure machine learning and data science, deep learning, all that sort of stuff. But now I see myself transitioning more into sort of combining that with something like another developer skill, such as web development, mobile application development, and then using what I've learned as machine learning as a tool to build a product of some sort. That's where I see it more and more going. Like for example, you've got tools such as AutoML on Google Cloud and all this sort of stuff. So what it's going to be more, more like is once we sort of figured out, okay, we got the, the main problems in machine learning, regression, classification, recommendation systems, etc. If we know these from the forefront, which we kind of do by now, we can design systems and databases to store data in a way that we collect from whatever services we develop that is suited towards those problems. And then rather than the kind of the 
uh, trial and error sort of mode that that deep learning is at the moment is like adjusting hyperparameters manually, all that sort of stuff. Is that once your data is just once you've built your product or service, once your data is in that format, because that's the what takes most of the time, right? Is getting the, the data ready into a format that can be used with machine learning, and then you just call dot fit, and everything works out for you. I think going forward over the next couple of years, it'll just become part of the software stack. As in, uh, you're developing a, a web application or mobile application of sorts and machine learning will just be one of those things. It's getting to that point now, I think, with like frameworks like TensorFlow.js and yeah. Teachable Machine. And you'll just be able to plug it in at some point and it'll solve whatever or it'll give you a different way of looking at whatever problem you're working. Um, yeah, that's a... So that's... Fascinating, man. Yeah, that's a fascinating... Yeah, so that's... So that's just where I'm thinking from uh, as a research, I, I don't know, because that's not where, where my yeah. interests lie. But in terms of yeah. developing, I think it'll, it'll just become more and more as something you can just plug in and you're off to the races. That's awesome, man. That's really, really, like, I never thought of it that way. It's a really great observation. So in this vision of, of your future, what do you think is going to separate the, the great data scientists from just the, the merely good ones? <laughs> I like this one as well. That's a great question. So what I've been thinking is, with that being said, uh, so I've got a disease, right? And I think every engineer has, has this kind of disease, is that engineers, is like learning tools for tools sake and then the problem with that is like for example something new gets launched and you're like yes i need to learn that tool and it's like yes i need to learn that framework i need to do the pytorch tensorflow all of them all these new features yep i'm going to learn every single one and so i have that too right i see 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 new things come out all the time i want to learn that want to learn that but then what happens is that instead of becoming like an artisan's workshop that you have in, in your backyard where you have like a dozen tools that you use to build things like chairs and build boats, things that, that you can actually use. You become a hardware store where you've got every single possible tool that you could imagine, but you don't know how to use all of, well, you don't know how to use all of them, any of them in depth, or you've got too many choices for when it comes to actually trying to, to make something. And so I say this, right? I say this, but it's, it's important to remember that I'm still, I'm still, a, I still see myself as a beginner in this field. Um, what's important to denote is that I'm just a, a, a talker in that sense. So my engineering skills don't match what, what I'm capable of communicating yet. Like I build my communication skills through dealing with thousands of customers at Apple. So in my opinion, is going to sort of separate people from from average Joe to, to someone who's who's seen as great is someone who's able to take the the small collective amount of tools they have but applies constraints to themselves. You see, that's what professionals do. An amateur says, "Give me everything. Give me more tools." A professional goes, "I've got enough tools now. A couple of half dozen, whatever it is. Now I'm going to use these tools to build something." And then deliver it out in the world because, again, once uh, once something's out in the real world, then that's when it gets tested. That's that's the real battle testing. So that's what I see is going to separate. It's like if you what can and this is what I always sort of like a criteria is like if I look at someone's like what have you delivered like that is that is like my sort of for lack of a better word judgment of of skill is okay it's one thing to to be able to like show okay you've you've worked on this but it's like how much of it is in public and how much is it of it has been interacted with 
someone who's not you. Oh, dude, I love that. That's fucking awesome, man. That's, I love that. So, so you said something in there that, that really uh, is a great uh, setup for the next question I had, right? So an artisan, being an artisan with a bunch of different tools at your disposal, right? So would you say data science and machine learning, would you consider that to be a art or purely a hard science? A lot of things are the same thing at the same time, right? Where it's, it's like or more than one thing at the same time. So you could bucket, I read a great article the other day. I've actually recorded sort of a, a video on it, but that's going out later, which is uh, don't learn machine learning. And as the author is, uh, it builds, builds tools. So the context is important. The author builds tools to uh, deploy machine learning models. So he, the article is in the sense of don't learn it if you're not going to build anything with it. And so, okay, that's, that's one way of looking at things. And this is where I, I, but I like that he had a strong opinion on it because that's, if you get stuck in sort of the gray matter of not having an opinion on different things. Um, so you said machine learning or data science, art or science. So this is, I think you could, you could put, take it from both angles. Um, one of the points in the articles was, are you want to build products or research? And I think, yeah, that, okay, that's a good decision to make. Um, but you could also go the, the products that you're building um, trigger the research to happen. So you're like, you run into a problem. I can't solve this with my certain products. So I have to research and find new ways or you do research and that implies eventually that you found something. Okay. I'm going to turn this into a product. And so uh, Western philosophy likes to see things, put things in buckets, whereas Chinese sort of philosophy is everything is the same thing at the same time. And so machine learning, art or science, I like to see it uh, as both. Um, so that's how I keep it fun for myself is that I earn an income through my formal things in terms of machine learning. I create machine learning courses, basically just taking complex documentation and communicating in a way that people can understand. Um, and that is, so that would be my uh, science sort of thing, making a work of it. But my art in using it is is writing about it and and making articles and whatnot and and putting narratives around it or making youtube videos about how um i'm learning different concepts so i see it from from both aspects and one this is coming back to the learning to create creating to learn one fuels the other when i get tired of seeing machine learning as a as a science type say I can recharge myself by, by coming at it from an artist's point of view and then vice versa. When I've had enough of, of sitting and watching myself code on a YouTube video while I edit it, I'm like, far out, man. I spent eight hours just watching myself talk. I can come back to it from a science aspect and go, you know what, how can I use this to, to create value for, for someone else in terms of a way that we can exchange in a financial sense? Uh, because that's that's one of the ways I make a living. So they feel. I think that's a really uh, not just machine learning. I think you can do that sort of almost in in any aspect. Is you have um, some of the the coolest people I've met. Right, will have like some way of formal way of formal again in in inverted commas of of earning a living. But then they have an art on the side that they pursue out of pure love. And so my formal way of 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 making a living is through courses and education resources. But my art is writing articles and, and making YouTube videos. 
I love that. I love that. It's a, love that viewpoint because I share a very, very similar viewpoint to that. I kind of see it as both an art and a science. It becomes an art when you put that emotional labor behind it, right? When you're delivering something to the world as a gift. And I think you do that very well with your content, man. And oh, speaking of you. speaking of of applying it as an art, um, at least to me, I'm pretty sure you're one of the OGs of the 100 Days of Code because I remember very vividly when I first came across that hashtag, it was one of your posts. So talk to me a bit about what got you started on that. I can't, I honestly can't remember how I got started, like, but I do remember seeing it as much like you said, and then just going, you know what, that's a pretty simple way to do things. And it wasn't, it wasn't really overthought too much other than that. And the reason being is I kind of, I made a podcast a day for a hundred days before in the start of 2017. And it was just me, me talking. I wanted to improve my conversational skills uh, in front of a camera uh, and with a microphone listening. And it wasn't, it wasn't, I had a few guests on it, like for example, just friends and, and my dad and, and other people. And it was really just, I wanted to improve my ability to speak because I, I hadn't done it in a while. So I was just like, well, I'm going to make a podcast a day for a hundred days. And that turned out the the beautiful thing about it was, is that it was, it made the decision very easy. It's like, have I made a podcast today? No. Okay. Make a podcast today. Um, and so the same thing, I, I just applied that methodology with learning to code. I'm like, well, I want to learn to code. Am I going to take this seriously? It's like, yes, I want to have fun doing it. But I, I if you want to learn anything, it requires, if you want to build any skill, it requires discipline. And so, simple. It was just, have I practiced code today? No. Okay. Well, I have to do a little bit. <laughs> I love that, man. I love that. Was there a favorite, favorite day out of that hundred days of code? Did you, do you have one that sticks out? I did. I did read that question, but I, I, I don't have a, a, a great um, answer. Like I, 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 as I said, we, we forget it. Memories, memory is a funny thing, right? We forget yeah. the, the specifics. I do remember the feeling. Right? Yeah. So I remember there'd be days like, let's go day one. Yeah. Feeling massive amount of energy day 27. It's like, well, I spent all day butting my head up against a wall day 26 on some problem. And now I don't really want to go back and do that because it sucked um, yesterday. And so day 27, look, I'm making these days up, but you, you have those days yeah, where it's like, yeah. I don't really, yesterday was pretty shitty. Yeah. So I don't want to go back and have to yeah. face that problem again. Uh, so I want to jump in to talk a little bit about uh, some of the content that you've got on your blog, man. You got some very amazing blog posts, um, especially the one that really sticks out to me amongst many, and we'll get into all of them, but you've got some uh, content on there about learning how to learn, uh, especially mm. you have an article there about six techniques to study machine learning every day. So do you have some mm. tips for our listeners that they can implement today to help them along in their upskilling process? One of the best ones, one of the ones I've implemented for myself over the, the past couple of years or whatever it is, is being your own biggest fan and harshest critique at the same time because no one else is going to do it for you. Um, and so it's very easy. I think people, it's find it, or well, at least me personally, I think it's, it's very easy for, for people to, to be hard on themselves because all, all that the internet kind of is, is a big comparison machine. So what you'll see is, and this happens to me too, so I know exactly how it feels. Uh, you'll see someone put their work out there 
and you'll look at it and you'll compare your current skill level to, to their skill level. Even though you might be at completely different chapters of your life, don't compare your chapter one to their chapter 10. And so very easy to be hard on yourself and going, well, I'm not going to put anything out there because it, it pales in comparison to, to what this person is doing. Don't worry, I do that too. So it's very easy to do that. But what is even harder to build, what's, what I've sort of been working on, is become your own biggest fan. And now this is, it's, it, people might say, oh, well, that sounds like you're full of yourself, but it's no, it's, 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 the, it's the same lesson that you get taught in the airplane every time you get on. It's put your oxygen mask on first, help yourself and then help others. So if you become your own biggest fan, you're putting work out there, you're putting your soul into your own, own whatever it is, your own articles, your own videos, people are going to, to feel that in some sense. They'll be able to, because you can't describe that. People can, we have this energy about us that you can't put into terms. You can't analyze with, with data and all that sort of stuff. And so that's what I try to do. What, whatever it is I'm trying to learn, whatever it is I'm trying to create. It's of, of course, I take it seriously. I'm hard on myself. I'm like, I, I go back and I go, well, this could be better, right? But at the same time, I go, I, I, I try to make things that I would personally like to uh, like to have read or like to like to have watched, and so in that sense, I'm I'm a fan of my own work. I dig it, man. I dig it. That's kind of the, <laughs> the main the main reason I'm creating this podcast was that you know there are a lot of data science podcasts out there that are you know doing tremendous work with respect to uh, talking about technical concepts and technical stuff, right? But there's no podcast out there that talk about data scientists in their journey and their journey and the struggles they faced. And so kind of, I don't, I don't see that out in the market. So like, why not me? Why, why can't I create it? So that's, I, I, man, I that's, that's, that's so good. I, I totally agree. I like to, as man, it is, I prefer the story of, see, it's, uh, I think like you can get advice and mentors of, of all ages. Right. But I think a really underlooked one is someone who's like one to two years ahead of you. Mm -hmm. Um, so is exact cause, cause if you, if you look at someone who's, who's been in the game, say for example, a CEO of a company, let's use Jeff Bezos, CEO of Amazon or something, just cause everyone sort of knows Jeff Bezos, right? Amazon has been running for a couple of decades. If you get advice from him on how to start your own business, it's sort of, cause he's so many degrees away from, from the actual start, it's going to be a little bit like muddled, right? And that's just, that's just you try to remember what things were like 20 years ago. I can't. So, okay. There may be some principles that, that continue over time, but in terms of specific details and, and technicalities and whatnot, a great person to, to look up to is someone who's just a couple of years ahead of you. So they know that it's still kind of fresh in their mind. And so that's, that's what a lot of my work is, is, is targeted at. It's, it's what would I have liked to known when I was getting started or the me, uh, two to three years ago or one to three years ago or something like that. Um, because those lessons are still, still fresh in your mind. Um, but yeah, I, exactly what you said. I think, mate, I, I, I would love to, to listen to, to something like this. I love hearing the story. People like to see how the sausage is made, like how someone is, yeah. is, 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 is learning things. Like imagine being a fly on the wall while Isaac Newton was figuring out calculus or, or something like that. So that'd be, you know, funny, fun fact, actually good timing is that in 1665, when Isaac Newton sort of had his breakthrough year and whatever, 
um, Cambridge University was closed down due to a plague. So that's no like, shit. no, yeah. Shit, huh? So wow. he was at home and had nothing to do except play around and figure things out. And he kind of, he worked out the laws of motion and, and calculus while he was on, um, lockdown basically. So wow. a little bit of inspiration wow. for people on lockdown. There you go, man. Hey, but I like, I like, I like what you're saying about uh, finding a mentor that's, you know, maybe just a couple of steps ahead of you. Um, as somebody like, like, you know, I'm, I'm a mentor for up and coming data scientist and I found your, your article on being your own mentor really insightful. Um, do you think you can share a couple of actionable tips for our listeners so that they can implement that kind of philosophy and become their own mentor? Yeah. Well, uh, you're going to find heaps, but it's, I think it's a little bit of skin in the game. I think the, the tips or techniques that you can, it's, I find the best tips and techniques are when someone says what they personally do. So of course there's a, there's a list of things of, of, of what you can do to, to be your own mentor. Some might be better than, than the ones I do. I don't know, but I find the best is, is when you ask someone, what do you do? Like personally, like for example, if you were investing, it's like, where is your bank account? Like that is the best advice because it's like, you're not, it's not, it's the truth, right? So here is what I personally do. So I write, I journal a lot and this, you'll hear this technique a lot. Um, I, about a thousand words per day. I don't count. I just, uh, just let things ramble. And what it is, is it's, it's a conversation with myself. Um, you might see this in, I'm keeping notes at the moment for one of the projects I'm working on. A lot of them are a conversation with myself because that's how I understand things. And when you first start, um, so I didn't do this before 2017. Um, so at the time I just, a reason why I started is I'd broken up with my girlfriend. I was like heartbroken, sad. These things happen. That's life. And then I read like so one way to figure things out is to, to write them down have a conversation with yourself. And I'd never done that before. I'm like typing out. I'm like, this is kind of weird. I'm just, what if someone reads this? I'm like, no, that, no one has to read it. It's just, it's just me and me and me. Um, and so uh, practicing that every sort of day. And I was like, what, what's holding, why, why am I feeling like this? What's, what's holding me back? Cause that's, that's the role of a mentor, right? Is to not necessarily give you the right answer because that's, it's the, it's the horse to water or you can teach a man how to, teach a man how to fish his for a lifetime kind of thing. A mentor is not a good mentor won't give you the direct answer. And this is what I try to do in, in my machine learning course as well is like when people ask questions, I don't give them the answer. I kind of ask them, what have you tried so far? Um, and some people might get pissed off with that. It's like, just tell me the answer. Daniel. Um, but I believe a good mentor kind of seeds you with questions to get you to think about your own roadblocks and how to remove them. Because in the, at the end of the day, you don't learn anything from getting answers. You learn things from asking more questions. And so that's what I'm doing when, when I'm trying to be my own mentor, when I'm writing things down, because you get lost in thought, but found in words, um, because the words make it concrete. So I write down questions like, what's, what's holding me back? How would, how would I like to spend tomorrow? How would I like to spend next week? What's, it, what's the me from three to five years? How do they think? Um, what happened last week that, that could be improved on this week. So just, just things like that. A lot of people, I don't know why, but have lost, uh, every time I've tried to, to be like someone else, I failed terribly. So uh, whenever I've tried to be myself, I've 
being the best in the world at it. Surprise, surprise. So another technique that I do is making eye contact with yourself in the mirror and just looking and just talking to yourself. And it sounds, of course, it sounds crazy, but this is, uh, I think this is a forgotten point is that the, the most important relationship that you have in life is the one you have with yourself. So if you're being completely honest with yourself, you're loving yourself, you're staying true to yourself like that. It's not, it's not going to happen overnight. It takes practice. And so uh, like learning anything like building a skill, it takes practice to develop over time. Same with uh, becoming your own mentor. It's something that you have to practice. I love it, man. Especially the part about looking at yourself in the mirror. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, David Goggins, but he has this, this concept of the accountability mirror where he just stands in front of a mirror and just stares himself in the eyes and, and just gives himself this type of mental talk. Um, so a- Adam Grant, who's a tremendous author, one of my favorite authors, got, has this excellent quote about mentors. And it's like, the best way to learn from mentors is not to absorb what they know, but to internalize how they think. Collecting mm. their knowledge helps you address the challenges of the day. Understanding their thought process helps you navigate the challenges of a lifetime, which I think is awesome, right? That's the difference between giving somebody a step-by-step map and a compass. I'd rather take the fucking compass any day and just find my own way out. You're right. So I dig it, man. I dig it. I totally agree. That's Adam Grant. I'll look him up. Yeah, man. He's awesome. He's written... Um, He's written Give and Take and Originals, which are both excellent books, man. Highly recommend them. Um, he, he had this other post that I really liked. It was called Sucking at Something New. That really resonated with me, um, especially when you're breaking into the field. You're pretty much going to suck at everything until you don't. Uh, so there was a line in there that where you kind of had to remind yourself, I'm new here. It's okay to suck. That really like, like, re- like gave me chills, man. Um, can you <laughs> Can you speak? Uh, wow. That's, that? <laughs> yeah, it was powerful, man, because it really resonated with me, right? Like, it really, really gave no, me that's the, that's the that's the that's the the treasure at the end of the rainbow for for a writer is to to hear that their writing has invoked a physical reaction. That's that. Thank yeah, you for man. that. I appreciate that. Oh, man, <laughs> uh, so, so can you, can you speak a little bit to that and maybe provide you know some yeah. tips to help people that are going through that suck phase? I'm gonna be honest. Like, I still see it as it's it's almost every day is is day one, right? It's like it's like it's it's a uh, the ancients had this this saying. It's it's something like the craft is long, but life is short. As in any craft that you take up, whether it be machine learning or data science or writing or whatever it is some sort of form but if you're a true if you want to be a trained to true mastery of it it's going to take an entire lifetime and even then the the the, the true master knows he's like uh, or he or she once they reach the end of their life or whatever it's like there was always something more to do like einstein um the story is he's on his deathbed trying to solve the, the last theory that he had or something like that and so I think the, the sucky phase is always going to be there if you're continually challenging yourself. And now it's only prevalent really a lot at the beginning. Well, no, not only prevalent at the beginning. It's prevalent wherever, whatever stage you're at if you're trying to improve yourself. The important thing is to remember that progress disappoints in the short term but surprises in the long term. So, for example, day-to-day, you're not going to see very much change at all. You might actually even think that you're getting worse day-to-day. But that's, that's not a way to compare any sort of worthwhile, worthwhile skill because, as you know, 
um, as we all know, building worthwhile skill, not just pseudo skill, like something that like you just hear people who are allowed about things kind of like me, <laughs> uh, takes a long, long time to build. We're talking a couple of decades here. If you're comparing yourself day to day, week to week, month to month, even you're going to always be disappointed. It's going to, to suck majorly royal suck. However, Compare yourself on the longer term, six month on six month or year on year, and you'll start to see if you've been, now I'm not going to say that it's not going to be hard. It takes diligence and discipline to build any kind of skill where I happen to have built skill in machine learning over the past couple of years. You might be the same. You'll see at the end of your first year, you're like, wow, I've leaps and bounds where I was from the start of the first year. As long as you put in the, the discipline and the effort to build the skill. The same thing will go from year two is like from year two to the start of year one, you'll, you'll be leaps and bounds to where you were there. Same thing with year three and then subsequently, however, day to day, terrible progress. That's going to suck. But that's, um, if you're too cushy on yourself and that's where it's going to suck even more, because, and this is what I said, it's going to take discipline and whatever it is. If you're too cushy on yourself, it's going to suck even more in the long term because you'll start to realize like, wow, I didn't, I didn't really improve too much because I just coasted through. Um, and so that, that, that longer term feeling of disappointment sucks way more than the, than the shorter term uh, day-to-day effort that you put in. Yeah, I like that, man. Small, just small incremental efforts every day. Small incremental changes aren't noticeable until you reflect back on a long enough time point to be like, oh shit, that's where I was before. Look at me now. I dig it, man. That's a great philosophy. Yeah, exactly. Um, long term. <laughs> long term, man. That's what it's all about. Are you an aspiring data scientist struggling to break into the field? Well, then check out dsdj.co forward slash artists to reserve your spot for a free informational webinar on how you can break into the field. That's going to be filled with amazing tips that are specifically designed to help you land your first job. Check it out. dsdj.co forward slash artists. Uh, so you mentioned something earlier that I wanted to get into. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of noise out there in terms of resources for learning. Um, tell me more about yeah. your self-created master's degree. How did you come up with that idea? Where did you find the right resources and how did you design that curriculum? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think it might've even gotten worse, to be honest, since I created that. Um, what I mean is that and not worse is in the, the resources. The resources are phenomenal. All of them are great. But the, it's a paradox of choice. It's when you have too many options, you have no options. There's a great book by Barry Swartz on this. Uh, I believe it's called Paradox of Choice. But anyway, so uh, once I finished the deep learning nano degree back in the start of 2017, maybe halfway through 2017, I kind of finished and I was like, well, I don't know. I know this deep learning thing, but not very well. I need to learn some other stuff around uh, machine learning and just coding in general. Like I didn't, I didn't really know how to write Python code very well at all, except to just fill in gaps in deep learning projects. So I was like, well, I kind of need some sort of pathway to follow or I could just flounder around at least to build a foundation. Once I had a foundation kind of knew what was, what was what 
probably still building that foundation to be honest. But um, I was like, then I can build upon that and get really specific uh, in terms of applying the skills that I'd built to, to something that I'm really interested in, whatever that was. And so I did some research. This is, it's, it's not, it's not like some grandiose thing. I just went on the internet for a few days and started researching how to learn machine learning or what courses are best for machine learning or how to learn Python code. And so of course, anyone does that search today, they'll get a mountain of stuff. And I was going through them like, wow, this is your Udacity, you got Udemy, you got Coursera, you got everything, Treehouse, whatever. Um, and I'm like, this is too much. Like as, as much as it was triggering all the, the dopamine hits in my head going, yeah, 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 give me all these resources. If you don't choose something, you'll make progress in, in nothing. So I, I basically just collected the, the ones who people would mention. See, this is, this is where we come back to it's like, what did you actually do? Like that's the type of best advice I like to hear. What, what did you do? So I read stories of what people actually did to learn these things. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to steal exactly what they said and, and add my own little twist to it based on my own curiosity and own interests and go, you know what? I'm going to put these things together. I think this is the right order. Again, I didn't really know at the time that it would, um, what order I should learn things in. And really, um, I think you, you almost don't have to have any sort of order. You can just bounce back and forth. But I had this collective amount of resources and I'm like, okay, I'm going to put them in an article. I'm going to make the article public. That way, if I fail, if I drop off the wagon, because again, I was in my bedroom alone, like I needed some sort of little bit of accountability. So I put it public. Well, if I fail, it's going to be publicly. And that's what a lot of people don't like to do is like people don't like to People think they don't like to fail, but I don't think people are too scared of failing. They don't like other people knowing that they failed. And so that was, uh, that was one of the reasons I put it out in public is like, okay, well, I've got this thing here. And if I'm going to be creating things sort of around it and based on it, people are inevitably going to stumble across it. And there'll be someone might hit me up in like a year and go, Hey, what is your progress on this? And even if they wouldn't, I had it in my mind that someone might do that. And so, well, I need to, if I actually, if I'm serious about building skill in this field, that was my compass. So that article, as you mentioned before, was my compass to sort of guide me. If I, if I thought about, okay, what should I learn next? I would go back to my resources and go, well, I'm going to take down this next. That actually turned out to be one of the best things I ever did because, and the important thing is here is that, I practiced learning on my own before. And so that was one form of using a technique when you're learning how to learn is creating some sort of, and I don't want to, I want to emphasize that the structure doesn't have to be rigid because the best learning happens sort of by accident. Uh, when you, you sort of like the internet was discovered by accident. So yes, make some sort of rough outline, which was what my, master's degree was and then that was to build foundational skills in the field of, of AI and AML and so the important part was the knowledge the best knowledge the things I remember most are when I've taken what I learned from that baseline curriculum and applied it in some something of of my own accord so that is where I think the real knowledge happens is when you take some sort of foundation knowledge that you've built through a course or some sort of online resource and then 
put it into your own project. So injected some of your own style. I love it. Yeah. So that, that segues really well into the next question I had. So you talked to me a bit about your view on certificates versus projects. You got an awesome article on the weekend project principle. Can you briefly break that down for us? Yeah, sure thing. Well, this one's, I thought about this answer and it came to me pretty quickly. So I like the philosophy of uh, first thought, best thought. So I could probably think this out, but really the honest thing is, is when I hear about someone, when I think about someone, I don't give a shit of what certificates they have. I look at what they've built. So let's, another really public example, Elon Musk. How, what degrees does Elon Musk have? I have no idea, but he has, I know he's built three, four or five companies of, of things that have brought value to others and inspired others. And I, and he's just an easy one, right? But the same thing goes with almost any, any one of any person I look up to my own mum. I look up to my own mum. She doesn't have any certificate to say that she's a great person. She, she just is. And so that's the same thing with, with the certificate. Sure, they're one great way to, um, to demonstrate some skill that you might have built or the fact that you can show up to a university for four years. And I kind of learned my, I, I could half-ass my uh, degree. I could just, just keep showing up and just cruising by. Yeah, I'll, I'll pass the exams or whatever, get the bare minimum. And then I've got the same certificate as someone who, who put in a lot of effort and that sort of stuff. Uh, but where I think, what have you done on, off your own accord? What have, you, what have you seen in the world that you would do if nobody was watching? That is what, I, that is what really impresses me rather than someone just showing, showing me this, this certificate. Like, let's, let's face it, an online course, I can sign up today right now and just leave all the lectures on autoplay and get that course. I'm not saying that people do that, but um, you can't really do that when you're building your own thing. Yeah. If you just coast through it, it's not going to exist. So <laughs> one last question before we jump into a real quick lightning round. What's the one thing Beautiful. you want people to learn from your story? Oh my gosh. I think it comes back to what I, something I mentioned before is that every time I tried to be someone else, I failed terribly. Every time I tried to be me, I'm the best in the world at it. So if you have something you want to get after, get after it. I think that's, that's, a, I, that's the only message I have. And that's uh, the one I want to, and, and really it's, it's, it's kind of a, as I said, it's a self, it's a fulfilling message because that's the one I want to internalize myself. So I broadcast that. Uh, I try at least try to, if you have something you want to get after, get after it. You don't need permission. I love it, man. Yeah. Everybody else is already taken, right? So might as well be you. Yeah, man. That's it. It's, it's, it's a, it's a simple, it's just the cliches that have the truth in them. Um, so it's, yeah, you can get in the technicalities, but it's, it's, uh, or, or how to do things and that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's that energy that you get from pursuing something that, you know, you know, you're into. So that's, awesome. that's a good energy to feel. Awesome, man. So let's go ahead and jump into our lightning round. First question. Oh, yes. <laughs> Python or R? Uh, I'm biased. I only know Python. So um, I, look, I've heard a lot of great things about R, but I, have no, I can't talk with any experience. So Python. Awesome. So what's the number one book, fiction or nonfiction, that you would recommend to our audience here? And what was your most impactful takeaway from that? Uh, Anti-Fragile, Nassim Taleb. 
So that is, it's basically my Bible um, <laughs> or the whole series actually in certo. Uh, so it's, it's for uncertainty. Uh, that's, I think it's Latin for uncertainty. So there's five books in the series. Um, I believe these books will be read in, in like a thousand years. So uh, some of the, the best, so what you'll find is I think a lot of self-help books these days are, are just remixes of, of um, and it's not a bad thing, of remixes of ancient philosophy. So Inserto um, is the, I think you could say it's nonfiction and fiction because it's got some stories in there. It's actually, I can't describe the one takeaway because it's kind of like a, a mindset of things. So that's the fiction slash nonfiction. And then the, oh, the nonfiction. I've got a lot of these. So fiction, I, I like reading stories that are like real life. So my favorite, some of my favorite authors, actually, rather than one book, I'll just give some famous favorite authors. Uh, Charles Bukowski, I like his writing. Um, who else? James Frey. Wait, I've got a book right here. Dostoevsky, which is uh, Russian. I can't pronounce the name, but Dostoevsky. Notes from the Underground. That's really good. Celine. Celine is a French author. So who were that? Bukowski, James Frey, Celine, Dostoevsky, uh, John Fante. All of those, all of those authors. I think, I think it's really important for people to be a... Uh, uh, literary knowledgeable. Yeah, dude, <laughs> Does definitely. That make like, sense? <laughs> definitely, man. Definitely. Like, I I read a ton as well. Um, I, I've I've heard anti fragile come up a lot in a bunch of different books that I've read and a bunch of you know different people that I follow talk about it. I think that what's the concept? Anti fragile is something that if you put it under pressure, it doesn't crack or break. It actually emerges stronger. And I think that's something yeah, that- Yeah, exactly. And I think with this whole COVID-19 situation, I'm hoping that humanity is going to demonstrate that, you know what, as a society, if we all come together, we are anti-fragile. I totally agree, man. I think this is a big opportunity. Yeah, man. So what's your morning routine like? Wake up, make my bed, go to the bathroom, and then get outside. So that's- And again, I like to mix it up. A lot of days, uh, uh, a day started with any kind of movement is a great day for me. So whether that be a walk or stretching. And then um, most days lately, I've been having coffee on the back deck with my dad. So um, I've really been liking that. And then some writing. So usually every morning I, I do at least a thousand words of writing. Again, not really counted, just, just, just typing away might be journaling might be creating something for an article so i keep it simple wake up make bed get moving like literally get moving walking dancing something like that and then uh straight into writing i love it man yeah part of my morning routine the one of the very first things i do after you know going to the bathroom is getting some movement in and your recent series of videos uh is it reps for rona has been restaurant. Yeah. I saw, yeah, I saw someone post that hashtag. I'm like, Oh, I want to steal that. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's been great for me because I, to, you know, having to work out indoors, um, it's been helpful to get some new ideas of some movements that I've never even seen before. So thank you for that, man. Appreciate that. Oh man. Uh, I, I, well, thank you for watching. I'm glad you're enjoying it. I'm yeah, having man. fun doing them. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So what's the best advice you ever received? Oh, far out. 
There is a lot. Best advice I ever received. It's it's a cliche, right? It's it's love yourself. Like that's that's it. It's it's uh I could there's a lot in anti fragile. I've got a lot of highlights from there. But it's the same. It's I I kind of I discovered this one uh through through writing. And it's I think the best advice is from exter- from someone else. Uh, it's hard for me to there's a because there's a lot. It's kind of um there's so much good advice that I've got from other people. It's uh it, it's hard to get the signal from the noise because there's just so much. But the ones that you discover through your own uh, process, your own adventure, your own experience, they stick the best. And so mine was I discovered in the last few years was just love yourself. I found that my self worth was too tied up in in the the opinions of of others and and past relationships. And so that was a real tough place to be. And so I figured out, love yourself. I started doing that, started practicing that. And the energy it gives you is, is second to none. So that's, that's, that's from, from my own discovery. (laughs) I love it, man. So how can people connect with you? Where can they find you? Um, so my website is probably the best place to go. I've got, uh, a lot on there. I'm like a frozen yogurt machine when it comes to stuff, all output, um, mrdburk.com. So that's M R D B O U R K E.com or otherwise, like, um, if you search up Daniel Burke, I should be, uh, somewhere there. Awesome, man. I encourage everyone to go check out Daniel's work. He's got some amazing content on his blog. Uh, so much more we could have covered, but man, I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule, taking time out of your morning to be here with me. And, <laughs> it's know, a pleasure. Looking forward, looking forward to seeing much more content from you in the future. And uh, thanks again, man, for being here. Thank you, Harpreet. I had a great time.